The attack on the killer tomatoes. It's a riot. <coughs> it's a scream. Welcome to Monster Madness. Hello, and thanks for joining me on my new podcast, Monster Madness. This podcast will be in the lineup with Midnight Movie Podcast, which when you go to subscribe to the podcast, you will find in that subscription, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts at, um, you'll get the uh, logo for the new Monster Monster Madness uh, podcast. Now, on this episode, I'm going to talk about what you listeners are going to expect from this podcast going forward. Now, I may change it up a bit here and there, but with your listener feedback and what you guys think or want to hear or when we talk about or review, I'll, I'll do that. And now, on this episode, you're going to get a review towards the end of the, the movie. The, the podcast. You're going to get a review towards the end. And it's an awesome movie that I picked out. And I'll put that right up front. Awesome movie. Now, you're going to get also a brief history of monster movies. And possibly a, a list of monster movies to, to you know, to look up. To find, seek out if you haven't seen any of them or know of any of them. But on this podcast, you're going to get, like the title says, monsters. And you're going to get creatures. You're going to get wolves, werewolves, Dracula, Frankenstein, your scientist gone mad, aliens, your B-rated, schlocky sci-fi horror. You're going to get, you know, possibly dinosaurs. You know, just your 1950s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe 80s-ish, but we'll see. If I end up running out of movies eventually to talk about, then yes, I'll do that and possibly throw in a newer, uh, you know, monster movie here and there and for you guys, the listeners. And I would love to hear your feedback on this episode and what you would like to hear going forward and all you have to do is reach me at the group page of Midnight Movie Podcast group page and I also have the official podcast page where you'll get an announcement of when the new episode is going to drop and what the theme is for that episode or the movie I'm going to review so you can get your comments in and I can Read your comments on the air. Now, for our episode of Monster Madness. So, monster movies. A monster movie, monster film, creature feature, or giant monster film is a film that focuses on one or more characters struggling to survive attacks by one or more antagonistic monsters, often abnormally large ones. True. 
The film may also fall under the horror, comedy, fantasy, or science fiction genre. Monster movies originated with adapt adaptations of horror, folklore, and literature. Typically, movie monsters differ from more traditional antagonists in that many exist due to circumstances based or circumstances beyond their control. Their actions are not entirely based on choice, potentially making them objects of sympathy to the film viewers. Early Monster Films 1915 to 1954. Wow, they go back as far as 1915. I didn't know that they went back that far, but apparently they do. The first feature-length films to include what are regarded as monsters were often classed as horror or science fiction films. The 1915 German silent film, The Gollum, which I know some of you on other podcasts have seen, and I think you've talked about it briefly, but yeah, I haven't seen it because, quite frankly, I'm not a fan of silent films. Sitting there watching a silent film, if you're lucky enough to find a copy with a score, great. Now, I love the fact that silent movies were made, and that's what we have movies of today is because of that. I pay homage to that. I appreciate everything, but I don't watch them. My preference, I've seen clips, you know, I've seen clips of like Nosferatu and all that and everything, but I don't, I just don't. That's one, one set of horror that I just can't get myself into watch. Directed by Paul Wegner, we, Wegener, is one of the earliest examples of film to include a creature. The German expressionist Nosferatu, the famous Nosferatu in 1922, and the adaptation of Dragon in Fritz Lang's Die Nibelungen in 1924 followed tradition in the in the 19. 1930s American film studios began to produce more successful films of this type usually based on gothic tales such as Dracula and Frankenstein in 1931 both heavily influenced by German expressionism followed by The Mummy 1932 and The Invisible Man 1933 many of you know most if not all of those movies that are listed there Classified as horror films, they include iconic monsters, specific special effects. Animator Willis O'Brien worked on the 1925 fantasy adventure The Lost World based on the novel of the same name. The book and film featured dinosaurs, the basis for many future movies. He began work on a similar film known as Creation in 1931, but the project was never completed. Sad. Two years later, <laughs> O'Brien produced special effects 
for the 1933 RKO film King Kong, directed by Marianne C. Cooper, since the King Kong has not only become one of the most famous examples of monster movies, but also is considered a landmark film in the history of cinema. I agree. The monster King Kong became a cultural icon, being featured in many other films and media since then. King Kong went on to inspire many other films of its genre and aspiring animators. A notable example was Ryan Harrison, who would work with Willis O'Brien on Mighty Joe Young. That wasn't a bad movie. In 1949, following the re-release of King Kong, 1952, Harry would later work on the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms in 1953. The film was about a fictional dinosaur, a Redosaurus that was awakened from frozen ice in the Arctic Circle by an atomic bomb. Boom! It is considered to be the film which kick-started the 1950s wave of creature features. Heck yeah, man. And the concept of combining nuclear paranoia with the genre such films at the time included Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954 and let me just tell you that is my all-time favorite creature movie of all times i know there's one of you out there i know that it's their first your first your very favorite you know creature movie them from 1954 it came from beneath the sea 1955 and Tarantula 1955, The Deadly Mantis 1957, and 20 Million Miles to Earth 1957. The Giant Behemoth 1959 was an acknowledged was an acknowledged remake of The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Goes on. The Spielberg era now, here's interesting, 1975 to 1998. In 1975, Steven Spielberg directed Jaws. Great, awesome, I love it, my favorite uh, shark movie of all time because it's practical effects. Which, while labeled as a thriller, features a large animatronic great white shark. I guess I could understand it being more of a thriller than horror. Yeah, because like shark movies, really, can you classify them really as horror? It's more of a thriller than, than anything. Jaws was an aquatic monster movie influenced by earlier monster films such as, get this, such as King Kong and Godzilla. Jaws is one of the few monster movies based on a real incident that incident, okay, the New Jersey shark attacks of 1916, from which Peter Benkley, 
got the idea for the story. Director John Gilleraman, Gilleraman remade King Kong in 1976. The Xenophor alien, I can't pronounce that. It's X-E-N-O-M-O-R-P-H alien had its first appearance in the 1979 sci-fi horror film Alien. Great. Directed by Ridley Scott. That was the same year when magazine Fangoria started being published in response to the popularity of this genre. Since the mid-70s with Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein and into the 1980s monster movies like Larry Cohen's Q, The Winged Serpent, 1982, and Tom Holland's Fright Night, 1985. Love that movie. Love, love, love that movie. My favorite vampire movie of the 80s. George Romero's Creepshow and Ron Underwood's Tremors. Love it. Love the first two. The rest are kind of, eh. The very last one, no. Nin it was 1989 for that movie. Use comedy as a scaring device just before the technological revolution that made possible to create digital special effects thanks to CGI, computer generated imagery, in case you didn't know. The last generation of SFX artists, special effects artists, impressed Many with the quality and realism of their creations, Rick Baker, Stan Winston, and Rob Botton are among the most remarkable names in the industry. Modern era, 1990, now we're jumping to 1998 to present. Traditional monster movies re-emerged to a wider audience during the late 1990s. An American remake of Godzilla was made in 1998. Yeah. I mean, I watched it because, you know, it's Godzilla. But, it was alright. The Godzilla featured in that film was considerably different from the original, and many Godzilla fans disliked it. I felt, I felt what they were complaining about. But, it was, you know, it was a 6.5 for me. Uh, but it was a box office success in 2002. A French monster film, Brotherhood of the Wolf, became the second highest grossing French language film in the United States. Some of, somebody might have heard Brotherhood, heard of or seen Brotherhood of the Wolf. If you have, please go to my group page. Comment, because I'd like to know your thoughts. Never seen it, or ever even heard of the dang movie. In the last two decades, in 2004, Godzilla was temporarily retired. Aww. Following Godzilla, Final Wars, director Peter Jackson, inspired by the original King Kong and Ray Harryhausen films, remade King Kong in 2005, which was both a critical and commercial success. I like that one. In 2006, a South Korean monster film, The Host, involved more political overtones than most of its genre. Some of you might agree with that. 
The 2008 monster movie Cloverfield, a story in the vein of classic monster movies, focuses entirely on the perspective and reactions of the human cast and is regarded by some as a look at terrorism and the September 11 attacks metaphorically. The following year, the water horse legend of the deep was released in which the legendary Loch Ness monster is portrayed as a playful creature menaced by overly aggressive humans. Of course, we, we all screw everything up. The British Independent Film Award winning film monsters in a manner similar to Cloverfield presented the story of monster epidemic from the perspective of the human affected by it, although not entirely focused on monsters. Blockbusters such as the Avengers and Prometheus included scenes that feature monsters posing threats to protagonists. So those are basically your monster movies and that's the brief history of your monster movies. Now, on to tonight's feature review. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes from 1978. The reason why I chose this for you guys, the listeners, to start off the first episode of Monster Madness, I wanted to go with your non-traditional monster movies, because an insight into me, into your host of this podcast, I don't do things normal. I don't like normalness. I don't like being normal. I like the weird, the spooky, the creepy, the crazy, the -the off-the-wall slapstick comedy, everything. Just the crazy weirdness. So, instead of going with a monster, a creature in the sea, uh, Dracula, Wolfman, your Universal Monsters, your bug movies, you know, everything like that, I went with a plant-based movie. And that is The Attack of the Killer Tomatoes from 1978. It's an American parody film. So it's parroting other, you know, like B-rated 1950s sci-fi movies. It was produced by Stephen Pace, who was born on March 30th, 1953, to, and left us in November 30th, 2002, and his film... I don't really have much of his filmography, but he he died, you know, uh, let's see, nope, he is an American film writer, producer, and dramatic politician, didn't know that, had no idea, and John D. Bello, and directed by John D. Bellow, based upon an original idea by 
Costa Dillon. The screenplay was written by Dylan P. Pace, Peace, and D. Bellow. The film is a spoof of B movies made on a budget less than a hundred thousand dollars. The story involved tomatoes becoming sentient by unknown means, sentient by unknown means, and revolting against humanity. So, before I get into the plot of this movie, first off, the poster, I absolutely love the poster. It's so like your 80s posters, uh, hand-drawn cartoon. You got the crazy tomato with the mouth wide open and the sharp teeth and the eyes. Now, I wish the movie would have done that. I wish they would have made the tomatoes like that. It would have been so much more funnier and it would have fit the comedy style of the movie. It, just, it would have been so awesome. So if anybody out there decides to want to remake this movie and is listening to this awesome podcast, by the way, please make it more comical. Make them have a face on it. Make them actually like more believable, like they're actually moving around and everything like that. It's 87 minutes long. It was released October 20th, 1978. The budget... Estimated, however, is a hundred thousand dollars, and it shows the hundred thousand dollars, and that's the point, the whole style of the film. So they did an excellent job with that. The box office now made five hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars. That is a big jump. The box office success of the film led to three sequels, all co-written by the same three writers and directed by... That's awesome. Though you didn't get, like, other movies, like other franchises where somebody starts off and then another director comes in and does this, and then the next movie is slightly different style, tone, everything, and kind of messes with everything. The, the plot of this is the film opens with a scroll saying that when Alfred Hitchcock's film The Birds 1963 was released, audiences laughed at the notion of the bird, notion of birds revolting against humanity. But when an attack perpetrated, perpetrated by birds occurred in 1975, no one laughed. This is followed by a pre-credit sequence of tomato rising out of a woman's garbage disposal. Her puzzlement turns into terror as the tomato draws her into a corner. Following the credits, the police investigate her death. One of officer discovers that that the red substance which with which she is covered is not blood but tomato juice. There's a lot of, gotta give you a warning, right up front, a warning, a bit of a warning. There's a lot of, there's some gore in this film. Gore, you say. Yes, gore. If you have a squeamish stomach, this might not be for you, 
because there's tomato gore. Lots and lots of tomato gore all over the place. Yes. And tomatoes were harmed in the making of this film. Lots and lots of tomatoes were harmed in the making of this film. Now, a series of attacks perpetrated by tomatoes, of course, including a man dying by drinking tomato juice made from a killer tomato, a boy heard being gobbled up by a killer tomato, and sequence where the tomatoes attack innocent swimmers in a parody of Jaws. So basically, they're out, you know, in the water, there's a lot of swimmers, whatever, and there's the smaller tomatoes in the water. So much, much of the, like, beginning parts of the movie, you get the smaller tomatoes and everything, and then you get, later on, you get the goofy, big, giant, look like paper mache style, um, tomatoes. While the president, press secretary, so, you know, you get the president, you know, briefly, but press secretary is the one who is basically assigned to go around to deal with this, try to get this, uh, situation handled, taken care of, and spin it a certain way so it doesn't look bad for the president. So he's going around trying to, you know, make sure all the scientists and the military got it covered, got in the pandemic, or not pandemic, but the evil tomatoes under, under control. Jim Richardson tries to convince the public that no credible threat exists. The president puts together a team of specialists to stop the tomatoes, led by a man named Mason Dixon. Dixon's team includes Sam Smith, a disguised expert who is seen at various points dressed as, among other things, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Adolf Hitler. Wow, the Adolf Hitler one, that was, wow. Because he's, he's, he's a black guy. And he's got the mustache on and everything. It, it was just, I mean, I was just, I don't know. I was kind of uncomfortable with that one. I don't know. But scuba diver Greg Colburn, Olympic swimmer, Greta Attenbaum, Attenbaum and parachute, Parachute Tunning Soldier Wilbur Finletter. So he um, comes in a dramatic entrance, you know, landing with the parachute, and the over the top slapstick comedy, he takes it off once in a while, but when he goes out somewhere, he puts his suit on with the dang parachute attached to it, so he's most of, pretty much the whole movie carrying around this, behind him, dragging the parachute around him. That's the kind of slapstick comedy you get. So, basically, the movie is, you know, you get the tomatoes that have been turned evil, have been in some way, shape, or form, 
have been turned evil and are now attacking and killing people. I'm not gonna tell you how they they uh, you know they got turned that way or they ended up that way because that's part of you watching the film. But they're they're around the town, around the city, around the world, the gov- you know the world, the United States, and the small little tomatoes are. Jumping out of garbage disposals, attacking people, killing them. You have tomatoes in your refrigerator. You go to take it, put in a juicer, and you drink it. Kills a man. And then, meanwhile, the other plot to this movie, the other story to this movie is you got this man who is a tomato farmer. Which they don't mention, my recollection is they don't mention him farming anything else. Because all he talks about is his tomato farm. How his tomatoes are the best, his tomatoes are the greatest, and they're not going to kill you. So basically his story is, in this film, is he hires an ad firm, a guy, to basically make commercials and stuff to convince people that his tomatoes are the best, by his tomatoes, and he'll become the the best, you know, the king of tomatoes, if you will. So, the press secretary um, is at the, you know, scientist lab and everything, and they're all, you got the military there, they're at the military, you know, sorry, not scientist lab, they're at the, you know, military base, whatever, and they have scientists there and everything, so... They all convene in this little dinky tiny room where you got this rectangle desk and you got like six chairs around there and it's very 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 short. So the comedy, the type of comedy you get in this is they all got to get in this little tiny room so they're all climbing over the desk trying to crawl to the other side of the desk, wiggle their way inside the chair and so you spend a good bit of time watching all of them climb in there, I got the feeling of like uh, your airplane or your naked gun style like comedy, just over the top, goofy comedy, and it works, because this is the film you're watching, you're watching this type of film, because if you're watching any other kind of film and the scene comes in like that, you'd be like more of a polished film, you'd be like, it doesn't fit, it's horrible, that's stupid, no, it fits, it's totally supposed to be that way supposed to be your it's so bad it's good style stuff your b-rated schlocky you know cheesy fun 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 movie check your brain at the door type of stuff so the president Derry is going around this whole film basically trying to get them to uh you know deal with the problem and situation it, it gets more crazier towards the, towards the last half of the movie. You get the bigger tomatoes running the muck, running over people, you know, running around the streets. You get the big old, towards the end, you get the big old giant, you get the, like, um, army in the uh, final attacks, you know, basically where they're doing the final showdown to eradicate all the tomatoes, you know, type of thing. Now, you clearly couldn't see at that point the actual big um big set 
and then see very quick shots of the small tomatoes in a miniature set. Like very like they keep switching back and forth and you briefly see that and you could you could very well tell. And the first time you saw you saw the, the that brief shot, it kinda of threw you for a loop. But then as they were doing their, their big old final climax scene at the end, it works. Because it fits the style of the movie and everything. And do they finally eradicate the tomatoes? Do they stop the attack? Something you will have to watch the movie and find out. You'll have to wait and find out and watch the film to find out if they eradicate the tomatoes if everybody dies. Like I said, there's a lot of tomatoes being harmed in the making of this film. So at one point, there was, on the ground, there was tons and tons of the small tomatoes. So the, the mass, mass of people stormed those tomatoes, ran them, ran, ran them over, literally ran them over with their feet, stomping on them. Trying to kill them all. Kill all the tomatoes. Now the tomatoes, they move by the big ones. They move by rolling and stuff. Like I said, I thought it would have been better if they would have made them have faces on them. You know, whatever. Made it a little more funnier, more believable type of thing. The cast. Now here's the cast for this film. Is David Miller as Mason Dixon, then George Wilson as Jim Richardson, Sharon Taylor as Lois Fairchild. She was hired to, I guess, get information from uh, the press secretary and the parachutist. But she was hired to do that. And then you got Stephanie Pace as Wilbur Finletter. Ernie Myers as the president. So you like I said, you see him briefly in the film. Mostly the film is the press secretary. Eric Christmas as Sen Senator Polk. Ron Shapiro as newspaper editor. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So she so he's the newspaper editor and Lois Fairchild hired to use her assets as the newspaper reporter said because he knew she was the last one left in the building that wasn't on an assignment already whatever so he knew that she really didn't have the credentials or qualifications to do so so he said use your assets you know air quotes assets if you know what that means and to get information from them for the, you know, for the newspaper. Al Sklar, Al Sklar as Ted Swan, that's S-K-L-A-R. Jerry Anderson as Major Mills. Jack Riley as Vaughn Shower. Gary Smith as Sam Smith. John Quails as Captain, Geoff, Geoff Ramsey as the Stapler, 
Ryan Shield as Tomato, Benita Barton as Greta Attenbaum, Dan Birch as the Old Man, Tom Coleman as the Singing Soldier, Art K. Caustic as the FIA Director, Jack Nolan as Senator McKinley, Paul Oya as Dr. Nakitoba. He's the one of the main scientists, and he doesn't speak English in it, so they have his voice over acting, but yeah. That style of the movie, it worked just fine. Robert Judd as the stuntman. Okay. Ryan T. Garden, Ryan T. Garden as Dr. Morrison. Michael Seawald as Kamaraman. 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 Steve... Pettis as Greg Colburn, the driver. Dean Gregg as Miss Potato Famine. Fam, famine. Potato Famine. As Miss Potato Famine in 1922. This, all, this film also contains the first screen appearance of Dana Ashbrook, then age 10. Or eleven as boy on boat, uncredited. He was born. A little brief thing about him. He was born May twenty fourth, nineteen sixty seven. Uh, American actor, best known for playing Bobby Briggs on the cult TV series Twin Peaks, nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety one and two thousand seventeen, and its nineteen ninety two prequel film Twin Peaks. Fire Walk. With me. So he looks familiar. Yeah, he looks very, very familiar. He's on Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Return of the Living Dead, Part 2, as Tom Essex. Essex. So if you know who that is, 1988, Return of the Living Dead, Part 2. He played Tom Essex. He did 1988 Waxwork Tony in the role Tony. He was, you know, of course, the boy on the boat as uncredited for Tag and Killer Tomatoes. Uh, 1989, She's Out of Control, Joey. 1990, Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat as Jack. 1990, Ghost Dad, Tom, Tony Ricker. Uh, 1990, Girlfriend from Hell, Chaser. Hmm. So, it says The Girlfriend from Hell is a 1989 American comedy horror film that was written and directed by Daniel M. Pedersen. The film had its world premiere on April 24th. Uh, let's see, it starred Dan Ashbrook and Leanne Curtis and follows a young high school girl who is possessed by the devil in order to steal souls. Holy crap. The poster's kind of cool. It just got her, like, superimposed really big, and then she's got her hand out like she's going to claw something with her big old press-on nails, pointy press-on nails. It's got the cityscape. She's got in the back, and then you got people, yeah, one, two, three, four people dancing, and it says, Girlfriend from Hell. That actually might not be pretty bad. It's like 95 minutes long. 
basic plot of that is Maggie Leanne Curtis is a shy high school girl that isn't very good with them with men. Sorry. This changes after she's possessed by Satan, who uses Maggie's body to seduce the souls out of various men. Satan is followed by an angelic chaser, Donna or Dana, Dana or Donna, I don't know how you pronounce it, Dana or Donna, Ashbrook, who is intent on capturing her once and for all. Hmm. That's pretty cool. But he was also in... Um... I don't know... Uh, I just leave it offhand anymore... That I can really come up with... That I know that anybody would... Uh, let's see... You know, he was on television, you know, the Cagney and Lacey in 1986, uh, Not Landing, ABC's After School Special, was, the episode was Just a Regular Kid, and AIDS Story, Twin on Jump Street, 1988, Twin Peaks, 1990, 1991, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, The True Story, 1992, Clay, played Clyde Barrow, television, not the television film. So those are made for television. Outer, the Outer Limits, 1996. Some of you might know that one. The Outer Limits played Kane, and the episode is Resurrection. So you can look that up. Try to find that episode. Uh, Dawson's Creek, 2002-2003. He was Rich Rinaldi. Played in nine of the episodes. Deadwood, 2006. Hertz Goon, Hertz Goon episode is Tell Him Something Pretty. He was in a law, 2007 Law and Order Special Victims Unit, played Patty Kendall episode Haystack. Uh, White Collar, Blue Bloods, Rosewood, Chicago PD, Twin Peaks, The Resident. Basically, that's all that he's been in. For this, for that, um, for that, so the theme song for this movie, now we're getting into the musical stuff of this movie, the theme song is uh, written by D. Bellow, describes the tomatoes rampages through the world, describing that they have killed a man named Herman garbage while he was taking out the garbage that the mayor is on vacation to get out of stopping them that they have scared off the national guard and that they have even eaten the narrator's sister this theme song is used in different variations over the course of the series here simply sounding like the score of an old monster movie with lyrics and more catchy tunes. All other music was written by Gordon Goodwin. 
and Paul Sunfor with lyrics by Dylan DeBello and Pace. The song Puberty Love was sung by the then teenage Matt Cameron, who later became the drummer for Soundgarden. I didn't know that one for Soundgarden. And since 1998 has been the drummer for Pearl Jam. Do that sweet. That's pretty, pretty awesome. So that's the movie, the feature review of Tech of the Killer Tomatoes. My thoughts on this movie. Schlocky, very, very cheesy, over the top. Once again, you get lots of gore, tomato gore, and you do get lots of tomatoes were harmed in the making of this film. The acting, your 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 standard B rated schlocky, you know, cheesy acting. Thus, works very very well for the film that was intended to be made that way, and also intended to be made with a little budget. So let me tell you. When they intend to make a movie for little budget, not for the fact that they only have a little budget, they just say, oh, here's a great idea, and we'll make it for this much money on purpose. So when you do something like that and make it on purpose, it works. When you are working with a little budget, a low budget, but trying to want to make a medium budget movie, it usually doesn't work out that way. Work out very well. They got good acting. The fit the movie, the comedy fits where they had the comedy. I'm not saying the whole movie was straight up slapstick comedy. No, no. You have your your scenes throughout that are over the top comedy, but then you have your little bit of serious comedy seriousness comedy where it's a little serious but you can't take it 100% serious at times the special effects are very well good very well done I mean of course you can tell the tomatoes when they were bigger they're they look more paper mache type but that's more like because at the time they didn't have the technology to make um like more like really really realistic looking but for that movie it, it totally works i would not like i said i wish they would have made it like the poster give it the big eye you know the eyes and the, and the sharp teeth and the big old mouth and everything i thought that would have been cool now they didn't have to you know of course give it a groan or a moan or or even a voice but i thought that would would have been very cool they got references in there to other movies like the scene with Jaws and the water and the tomatoes floating in it. You'll, you'll immediately, if, if you've seen Jaws, you immediately pick that up. I did. Totally got it. I, I just had so much fun with it. It's just schlocky throwback, you know, it's like a throwback to the 50s, you know, monster movies. And I thought it was actually very, very well, well made. So... I give this movie 
I actually, I guess I would actually give it a 7.5. I'd actually, yeah, definitely give it a 7.5. You know, for this film. Go into it knowing that you're getting, you know, schlocky, cheesy, you know, movie that you just check your brain at the door and you're just going to have so much fun with it. You go into it thinking it's a modern version of the 50s style B-monster movies, and you'll totally have fun with it. Yeah, you will totally have so much fun with this movie. Yeah, you'll totally have so much fun with this movie. Let me tell you, man, I had so much fun with this movie. I love old 50s, 30s, 50s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s style, you know, B-rated, you know, horror movie, horror movies, monster movies. They're just so much fun. So now, here's the last part of this episode. And I'm going to play for you the trailer for this movie. Now, these movies, you can listen to the whole trailer and... It, they don't spoil the whole movie because they knew how to do it back then. You're going to have so much fun listening to this because a lot of them are pretty audible, audible, you know, and the intro, now here's a, here's a trivia, the intro that I played, the part that I took out of that trailer or promotion was the radio spot back in that time that they played on the radio. That's the trailer that I got that clip off of I took that piece off of that for that so here is the trailer lives are shattered the nation is in chaos death and destruction sweeps the country Forceware Productions presents perhaps the funniest film ever made attack of the killer tomato attack attack of the killer tomatoes you've never seen a So, um, the Mason Dixon, last little thing I gotta say real quick. Mason Dixon, who is 
with the main person going around, you know, also trying to, you know, investigate and trying to help out with everything. Because you got the, you know, the press secretary wants to help with getting everything, you know, done right and spin it right, you know, the stories right and everything like that. So... So you, um, so the Mason Dixon totally reminds me of James, of John Belushi from, you know, uh, Animal House, he totally, totally looks like him. He's the one that has, that has the parachute, the, the parachute guy who is going around with them and they're trying to investigate, trying to do everything, getting all the scientists, um, um, you know, all together in the military and everything and trying to stop this whatever. But he's the one going around. So you get the press secretary throughout the film, but you don't you don't get much of the president. But you get more of the you know press secretary throughout the film. But Mason Dixon is the main guy, along with the parachutist, in the film, and he likes looks very similar to John Belushi. When I first saw the first glimpse of him, I'm like, who is that? Because I didn't know who any of the actors were in this. I looked him up afterwards. I just went into this movie blind, you know, cause, well, the second time I went into it blind, the first time I, I saw it long, long ago and don't remember a lot about it, but I went into a blind like I didn't know any of the actors or anything because I just never looked, bothered looking that up at that time, but I watched it, you know, it was on TV or whatever, and, and I didn't watch, you know, check any of it, because it was on TV, and I just didn't bother watching it, and had fun, and, but yeah, he looked just like, pretty, pretty, uh, close to John Belushi there, I mean, not as, maybe not as fat, but his, but his face, and his stature, and everything, just totally, I got that first media impression I got, I'm like, who is that, and then I saw more of him, but yeah, he's the one that's in, in the movie more, in that room where they're all being ridiculous, trying to get all the scientists and the army people, you know, military, to figure out what's going on, why it's happening, the plan of attack, and how to deal with it. Yeah, so he's the one that's throughout the main movie. Now, you can reach me on Facebook at Midnight Movie Group Page, and then go to Midnight Movie, uh, podcast actual page where you'll get the announcement of where when a new episode of midnight movie podcast will come out and uh ep- uh when the new um monster madness podcast 
will drop. Maybe I'll have a question for you to answer. Um, post what next movie is going to be up or a theme. And you can post your comments in at the group page or put it on the podcast page, whichever one you want. Preferably, you know, like the group page, then people can go over there and have a discussion and have fun. You also can go over there, post any sci-fi, horror, B-rated movie, any new or old sci-fi movies, any old or new horror movies. One rule. One rule that I have for the group page. Now, the one rule is if you post about a new movie that's current year's movie that you're that's the current year be be very very vague on what it is you say about the movie don't spoil anything or give away you can spoil something that's a insignificant piece of the movie but major stuff don't spoil it because not everybody watches trailers. So what you may say that you saw in the trailer, maybe it would be a big giveaway to somebody who doesn't watch trailers. Like me, I've said on the Night Movie Podcast that I watch like 30 seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds to capture me and I'll... Then I'll be like, okay, I want to watch this movie. And I won't watch the rest of the trailer. The old movies from, you know, even 80s to, not as much 80s, but 70s and older, they did a very good job at getting you excited about the movie with the narrator, the movie guy. You know, we, we had the modern movie guy. And then they took that away and they just played most of the movie. And a lot of times it's out of order. Like, this scene didn't happen for that scene, and this and that, and it's out of order, and it sucks. I just, I don't like the trailers. Not, you know, really don't like them because they spoil everything, but I just, the way they're put together, and what gets you excited about it? It's just here, here's scenes spliced together. Nothing really gets you excited about it. No shock, no awe, no nothing. But, go ahead over there, post your comments, post your likes. Share anything you want. If you got a a podcast that's movie related podcast, horror movie related podcast, sci fi related movie podcast, classic movies, classic horror movies or monster movie podcast you wanna promote or shout out, go over there and shout it out. Heck, who knows? Maybe I'll even mention that on the air. I've been listening to, going down a rabbit hole now, <laughs> going down a rabbit hole, I've been listening to a bunch of new podcasts via Podbean, which is cool because you can go over there and message people live, so go over to Pod, Podbean, if you're on Podbean, find my Midnight Movie Podcast, send me messages, I'll, I'll respond right back. So the podcast I'm currently following is Monster Kid Radio and it's Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff, John Egger. These are the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio, the rando award-winning podcast celebrating the classic 
and sometimes not cold classic genre cinema of yesteryears. So they talk about all of those. It's a really great podcast. Of course, I love old movies. A guy and his 17-year-old daughter discuss the films and people of old Hollywood. Of course, retro, movie geek. I listen to that sporadically, not as much. But I love the podcast anyways. A weekly podcast wherein your hosts watch and discuss retro movies which they define as any movie 20 years or older. My other favorite uh, newer favorite um, horror podcast is called Classic Horrors Club. And you can find them on Facebook. The classic, it's the Classic Horrors Club on their group page. We invite you to attend our next monthly club meeting where we discuss movies from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between. Hosted by Jeff Owens from Classic Horrors Club, Classic Club, and Richard Chamberlain, the Monster Movie Kid. Okay. And then, of course, my other really cool one, kind of like a father and son watch more movies, called Cadaver Cast, a father-son monster movie podcast. A silver bolo award-winning family-friendly monster movie podcast. Ten-year-old Al and cadaver dad Jeff Burnham discuss getting cinematically spooked and in Al's monster stampede how to stay safe should you find yourself trapped in a horror movie you can so that's what they do that's my other favorite one now my all-time favorite is of course the one the only the king of podcasting of horror movies who run the gauntlet and give you hours and hours in just one episode. Land of the Creeps. Land of the Creeps is a horror podcast dedicated to helping keep horror alive. One movie review at a time. False. Not one movie review at a time. They are currently, all three of them, do two movie reviews each. Thus, the running of the gauntlet, the long, long episodes. But it's much like some movies where you're just so into it, you don't even check your watch to see how long you've been listening to it, and two hours gone by, and you're like, wow. Land of the Creeps will be posting podcast shows and also movie reviews. Yep. So go over there to the Land of the Creeps podcast page and you'll get announced of when new episodes pop, drop or what the next one's going to be. And then go over to the group page, Land of Creeps group page. It's awesome. They got a lot of great contributors over there. They let you promote your podcast and let you post anything horror related. News, pictures, funny horror memes. 
horror movies you're watching or comments on their movies or what have you. Awesome. Another one, I got this one and one more I'm going to mention, is the Monster Movies Stomp Down. Welcome to the Monster Movie Stomp Down, your one-stop chomp for monster movie reviews, trivia, interviews, news, and laughs. That's another great podcast, too. Love that one, too. Another one, well, I guess I'm going to do two more. Sorry, I'm going to do two more. Pod and Monsters, a monster movie podcast. Says a monster movie podcast. So they got like Psycho, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, Friday the 13th, Candyman, 92 version, The Mummy's Tomb, 42, The Shining, you know, list goes on, Wolfman, 41, New Quiet Place. That fits. Not as a, not as a general 2018, not as a general um, uh, horror movie, but more a monster movie. Yeah, if it's more of a bat, I can go with that. Stuff like that, that's what they do. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got more, going down the stupid rabbit hole, sorry, bear with me. The Monsters That Made Us. Welcome to The Monsters That Made Us. Join the Invisible Dan, Colin, and Monster Mike Manzi as they celebrate all of the spectacular characters and films in the Universal Studios classic monster series so it's called the monsters that made us all these podcasts go look them up next up is i really like it it's not a love but i really like it called fun box monster podcast each episode we choose a favorite obscure or semi-obscure horror movie and run it down scene by scene Filling in plot hole and connecting dropped story threads where they might occur. Spoilers, but fun. And the last one I'm going to mention is... Uh, where is it? There it is. It's called Monster Movie Happy Hour. You got Dracula, The Bride of Frankenstein, and Gilman, my favorite, right on the logo. Uh, from their secret cocktail lounge buried deep in the frozen land of a 10,000 lakes, Scott, Mary, and Dave watch a wide range of horror movies, test out unique theme drinks, and discuss their thoughts on the genre. For even more info, visit their website at monstermoviehappyhour.com they ask you to join them at your peril those on the podcast that I love in this doom I got others like Evil Jelly, The Horrorcast Horror Movie Talk, Phantom Galaxy I really like there's one last one before I end this episode that I have to pay homage to and that would be the whole the horror movie podcast HMP is where 
I got my start into listening to podcasts and horror movie review podcasts. And from there, was mentioned and talked about Land of the Creeps. HMP will always and forever be the podcast that I love the best out of any podcast ever. It's the very first, so I gotta pay homage to what came first, what our what I listened to first, and what I saw what I listened to first, that paved the way for all these other podcasts that I like, subscribe, listen to. Love you guys. Thanks, all you podcasters, for uh, all the hard work you do. Yes, I know. I know what you guys got to go through. And I don't even do two hours, three hour long episodes. And man, let me tell you. But I have fun with it. Hope you guys love this episode, like this episode, or love it. Hope you want to hear more monster movies, creatures. And maybe if you go over to. On the Midnight Movie Podcast page, group page, and leave your comment about this question that I'm going to ask you. And the question is, would you rather hear more monsters and creature reviews than general horror movies, or would you like the same amount because the plan was to do this episode one a month and do more midnight movie podcasts or do it the other way around do one review of a regular horror movie on midnight movie podcast and more of these if you have more fun with these please go to the group page and let me know your thoughts. And thanks for keeping horror alive with me one episode at a time. This has been your horror host on this episode, Terrifier. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time.